Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream. I'm your host, Brooking Gatewood. And I'm your co-host, Matt Prindeville. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Hey, Solutioneers. Are you ready for the holidays? If you're looking for a great way to give back while also saving on gifts for yourself or your loved ones this holiday season, we've got the solution for you. Right now, when you donate any amount to Upstream, you'll unlock exclusive discounts and promos to a variety of reused businesses in our 2021 Holiday Shopping Guide. From home and beauty products, to jewelry, to educational opportunities, and more, you don't want to miss out on this exciting offer. This offer is available now through December 31st. So head on over to upstreamsolutions.org donate to help power the reuse movement forward and gain access to these discounts today. If you're curious about what's included, hop over to that donate page and you'll find the holiday shopping guide right there. Once again, just make a donation of any amount at upstreamsolutions.org donate and then enjoy your reuse holiday offers. From the Upstream team, Thanks for all your support, and happy holidays. Hey, what's up, Solutioneers? Welcome back to the Indisposable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Prindeville, CEO and Chief Solutioneer in Upstream. And today, I'm very excited to have Lindsay McCoy on the show. Lindsay is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Plain Products, and they make personal care products and beauty products and sell them directly to consumers in reusable containers. You can get your shampoo or your conditioner or your face wash in a reusable container. And when you're finished with it, you order a new one. And the new bottle comes with a prepaid mailer. And you just put your old bottle in that, send it off to the company. It gets washed and refilled and sent out to somebody else the next day. Plain Products was the first company in the personal care product space to build a business model around reusable packaging, and they're looking to expand into more and more products as they grow. Plain Products was also the fan favorite for the National Reuse Awards, the Reusies this year. And so we're very excited to have uh, Lindsay McCoy from Plain Products on the show. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hi, Matt. Delighted to be here. It's great to have you here. So, you know, when I was doing some research, I saw that you've had a very varied and interesting uh, <laughs> career, you know, from nonprofit executive director to management and development consulting to, you know, working for multiple environmental organizations to being a recruiter and now a reuse entrepreneur. How did you go from, you know, the, 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 nonprofit, the nonprofit world to wanting to start your own company? Well, the thing that I always liked most about the nonprofit world was the problem-solving aspect. Um, I actually went to school for public policy. I thought I was going to go into government. Uh, I was a poli-sci major undergrad and then realized that I actually really enjoyed the flexibility of nonprofits to test out solutions to problems, um, you know, without having to wait for the, the slow wheels of government to turn. So, right, and, right. you know, enjoy doing that for 20 years and then finally could not handle facing another event season <laughs> and um, <laughs> decided that I would check out business as, as a way to solve problems. So, you know, I noticed a gap in the market. I couldn't find any solutions to all those plastic bottles in my shower. And I was like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe I should try something else. 
So this was literally a, an aha moment. You're you're in your bathroom and you're, you're looking around at all the, the all the plastic bottles and and so what what was it that made you actually want to do something about it? Had you been interested or engaged in in waste issues or plastic pollution before that? Well, I at the time was living in the Bahamas, which are these gorgeous tiny islands in the Atlantic Ocean, and you know as as a small island nation just does not have the same infrastructure we have here in the U.S. Right. to make the waste disappear. So you see, you know, the consequences of disposability so much more on the beaches, on the side of the road. And, you know, working for a nonprofit, I would end up in landfill sometimes that I just was overwhelmed at the visual sight mm -hmm. of all of this plastic piling up. And, you know, this idea that plastic doesn't go away, that it's there for, you know, basically ever hit home in a whole different way. So I just started to hate to throw things away just knowing exactly where it was going and where it was going to sit and that it could easily end up in the ocean from there. So I started looking, you know, for solutions, the, the kinds of things you guys talk about on here all the time, the reusable water bottles, the reusable bags. And I, I could not find anything for those plastic bottles in my shower. And it was just driving me crazy to keep buying them, just knowing where they were going to go. Absolutely. You know, I I had this incredible experience that I, I know I mentioned to you before, as we were setting up for the show here where I got to sail from the Bahamas to Bermuda with our friends at the Five Gyres Institute. And I spent a couple of days in Eleuthero at the beginning of that. And as part of that, we got to go see the, the local landfill. And, you know, <laughs> I was explained by um, my friend Crystal Ambrose, who you may know yeah, from yeah. Uh, from the Bahamas. She's amazing, and uh, Crystal just showed that, that the water table was like right underneath this landfill that wasn't lined, and that you had all of this plastic garbage uh, that was essentially just le leaking toxins into the local water table for for the island. Plus, you know, you also there was a lot of plastic garbage just out and about um, in the community because a lot of this was. You know, relatively recent in introductions into the island, you know, over the course of the last 20, 20, 30 years. And, and then you had all of the, the gyre plastic that was all the, all the microplastics where, you know, you go, you go down to this, these beaches, which, you know, they look like a, you know, just for our listeners, it looks like a Corona commercial, you know, these incredible white sand, you know, expansive beaches with nobody on them. And then you, you know, and, and it looks like paradise, but you know, Marcus uh, Erickson from the Five Gyres Institute, after a couple of times just going out with him, we would scoop scoop up the sand and then you just quickly see all the little microplastics that were in the sand and out in the reefs where we were snorkeling. For me, it was a real wake-up call because most of the work that I had done up until that time, I hadn't been out at, in island nations and recognizing the challenges that island nations have with uh, plastic waste, that there's nowhere, there's nowhere to put it and, and, and they often don't have the resources for, you know, state-of-the-art solid waste and recycling operations. Right. And, you know, I mean, so much of it's shipped there. You know, they also are growing things yeah. and are making things. That's right. um, so it's all shipped to them in plastic. I actually also got to do a trip. Um, there's a group called X Expedition with two X's, and it was oh, a cool. all-female, round-the-world plastic trawling. And I got to go from Aruba to Panama. And so we flew to Aruba. And... The same, you know, the same thing. We actually route to the dump in Aruba, and it was actually on the water, and you could literally wow. just see the plastic rolling down the the hill right into the water. Into the water, um, which yeah. was just crazy. 
but you know, that's where it had gotten set up, you know, not too far and it had just spread in that direction and they didn't have the, you know, the ability to move it. And then the other thing that was really eye-opening to me was we did, as we, we went along, we not only did the kind of surface mantra trial where you picked up stuff on the surface, which, you know, having been in the Bahamas, I was expecting, but we dropped a bottle, you know, 30 meters down and pulled it up. And the, there were microplastics in that water column, which was terrifying to me because, you know, it's great to see people trying to clean up the surface, but like, we're not going to get those microplastics out of the water column. And that was when I was like, wow, this is, this is, <laughs> we're already there. We got we got to do something about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so you had this epiphany and, you know, tell us about what happened from that, that moment in the bathroom of saying, you know, this is, this is a way that I could make change here. Yeah. I, you know, it just seemed crazy to me that I had to keep buying things and then just throwing them away. And as you know, you guys have talked about on this show, you know, plastic, even when it is recycled, that usually only happens once or twice and then it's kind of ends up in a dump anyway. So yeah, I was like, yeah. you know, it'd be great if I could just like, send this off and get it refilled and have it come back to me. And, you know, I think I've, I've said this before, betraying my age, but like, like Netflix DVDs used to be like, you get it, you use it, you send it back. And I was like, why can't we do, why can't we do that? Um, so I, I was like, I, I, let's try it. Why, why not? Why not? Why not try it? Yeah. Um, decided yeah. to move back to the States. And I actually called my sister who, you know, I am actually one of those people. I'm not a product person. Like the idea of, subscribing to a product and just sticking with it forever sounds wonderful to mm -hmm. me. Like I don't need to change. Mm -hmm. I don't want to change. It's not, you know, yeah. I, I don't like shopping. I'm just, but she is. So I was like, perfect. She will care what the product is and what it looks like and smells like. And I will care like how we design it. And so between the two of us, we can come up with something that works. So uh, it was 2015 when I had the idea, uh, it took us about a year and a half to figure it out. Um, you know, how are we going to do it? Where are we going to find the bottles? Where are we going to find the products? You know, put, put together a website, try and figure out how we're going to explain it to people. And so we launched in February of 2017. Wow. And so, so you, with most of your experience being in the nonprofit world, was your, was your sister like a, an entrepreneur? Was there, <laughs> what, what was, were you, were you getting, were you, were, were you guys both, uh, both do-gooders and trying to figure out how to run a business together? Was she? Um, had a small business, actually randomly German woodworking tools with her husband. But my dad was a serial entrepreneur growing up, oh, cool. so it didn't yeah, seem so you were around that. yeah, it didn't seem crazy to me yeah. to start a business. Well, dad can figure it out. We can figure it out. And I, you know, as evidenced by my myriad careers, I love learning things. So you know, in that year and a half, I just talked to everybody that I could talk to about businesses, about products, about personal care about reuse and, you know, was happily created a lot of great relationships with some green beauty, zero waste bloggers. Um, at the time, it was sort of even before influencers was a thing and just soaked it all up and learned, uh, you know, again, I had no idea how many chemicals were in mainstream products before we got into this. Right, that was, right. you know, we got into it to have less plastic, but I also was like, wow, you're putting a lot of scary things in and on our body. And that doesn't seem mm -hmm. like a great idea either. Oh, absolutely. I, before I was uh, a plastics nerd, I, I worked on, on environmental health issues. And, you know, once I had the gestalt of, of recognizing that the products that we buy at the grocery store that we think have been tested and, and, and we think are safe um, aren't, 
that you know you could you can't go back and when i started working on this stuff 20 years ago nobody really knew that story and the environmental health movement has done an incredible job really exposing uh, how many toxic chemicals are in all the everyday stuff that we buy <laughs> on a regular basis. And we're in a very different landscape now, which is exciting. And I think it also helps to pave the way for people to want products like the ones that you guys are selling, which not only is the packaging sustainable, but the product is sustainable as well. So tell us a little bit about Plain Products and and, and the journey from the, uh, the the idea in the bathroom and calling up your sister to you know to, to where you are now with, with a big, robust seemingly direct to consumer uh, type company. Yeah. Well, um, it's funny. Plain is actually a play on our maiden name. So our maiden name is Della Plain. And I mentioned my dad was, was an entrepreneur. So we pulled that out, but also just this idea of, you know, this, the solution doesn't always have to be high tech. So we're just washing bottles. I mean, you know, and you know, before Prada, what, 1950, that's what, that's what was done. You know, we didn't have this right. option for disposability. So kind of just going back to this original model um, and just the only addition is, you know, using e-commerce to have it, have it come to your door and, and get picked up from your house. So, you know, you come to our website, pick a product, it, it comes to you in an aluminum bottle with a pump on the side. And then when you're running low, come back to the website or, or subscribe and we'll send it automatically. But a refill bottle comes to you along with a return label. So you switch the Amazing. pump over, put the empty bottle in that box. The refill came in, stick the return label on the outside and postman picks it up and brings it back to us. And then we wash and sanitize them and store them and then send them off to get refilled and go back out into the world. So cool. How much thought went into the packaging itself? And, and, and I'm curious about the journey there. Like, you know, why, why choosing aluminum? And then there's probably, you probably didn't have a whole lot of uh, examples out there to follow. <laughs> no. I imagine you guys were, were, do, were doing this kind of, uh, you know, by the seat of your pants oh. and trying to figure it out as you went along, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, nobody else was doing this at the time. Um, so we actually started with stainless steel. And then had the fun learning curve of not all stainless steel is created equal. And there are types of stainless steel. So the stainless steel that we could afford actually rusted when we put product oh, in it, put it no. in the shower. So that was a, that was a dark time. Um, yeah, that was not, that was not a fun part in our journey. Um, we had these adorable stainless steel jars um, that were going to be super cute, but you know, you just, <laughs> move on to the next solution. So that's when we moved to aluminum and they have been great, a little lighter weight, you know, no rust problems uh, and are affordable, which when you're bootstrapping a company is important. Yeah. So we, we skip glass just because we were putting them in the shower and, you know, we were worried about that. So aluminum seemed the best compromise of the materials that we had that we could pick off the shelf. And you guys didn't even want to think about reusable plastic. Is that right? We did not. I mean, you know, that was kind of the yeah. whole point was to prove that it is possible to do something without plastic at all. And, you know, as I mentioned, yep. while it's great to recycle it when you can, um, it's still going to end up in a landfill. And that was just our yeah. goal was to move away from that completely and have something that never needs to go to a landfill, which is the beauty of aluminum. I mean, you just melt it down yeah. when you're done and turn it right back into more aluminum. Yep. 
And, you know, just curious, like from, so with, from the, 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 did you have to design the, the, the bottles themselves and then find somebody to manufacture them? Or, oh, no, or we could not kind of afford that. <laughs> yeah. so that, was not, that was not in the budget. It was like, what already exists that we could use uh-huh. for this purpose? And gotcha. that, you know, that's very much where we were as a small company trying to do it ourselves. So just, just looking into the world of what's already out there. And, you know, yeah. what, what can we stick a pump on and, and have that work? And so it, in some ways, helped focus us. I mean, I think yep. it would have probably been another year if my sister and I had to agree on a brand new bottle. Um, so it was great to just say, okay, here are the options. Here are the sizes. We're going to go with this and, and see what happens. And so you had to build a relationship with a packaging supplier to be the, the test run. I, I would imagine too that, 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 you know, you had, if you're looking for a durable aluminum bottle, mm-hmm. I know a lot of packaging is probably, they're not thinking about creating it for washing and reusing. At the time they were not. Um, yeah. At the time they were not. No, yeah. certainly not. We, you know, we got a lot of like, what do you want to do? What, what? <laughs> you want to wash them and reuse them, you know, and that was part of looking for a product manufacturer too. I mean, we had to convince somebody to bring our bottles back in once they'd be used into their beautiful factory and refill them. So that was also wow. a lot of phone calls and, you know, meeting with people face to face and talking to chemists about, you know, what we need to do to get them cleaned and, and to make sure that they felt comfortable. So on both ends, you know, and it, and it took in both places finding somebody who was sympathetic to our mission and understood, mm-hmm. you know, why we were trying to do what we were trying to do and was willing to work with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to go a little bit deeper in on that, Lindsay, because I think that, that you know, part of our audience is wanting, you know, we have a lot of reuse entrepreneurs and we also have um, a lot of government folks and, and NGOs that listen in and, and, and policymakers and lots of people want to understand the nuts and bolts of, of reuse because it's like, in order to really believe that it can scale, mm-hmm. they want to understand like how does it actually work. Yesterday, I was on a, a call with um, a fellow that you know was c- coming out of the plastics industry and trying to you know solve, solve figure out you know how to how to solve plastic pollution, working in the nonprofit space now, and you know he, it was really his first time being exposed to you know reuse as a as a service and not kind of a. Uh, a, a personal virtue signaling. I have a reusable <laughs> bottle, <laughs> and so he was like, "Who makes money in this?" That was his question, and I, you know, I had my own answers there. But you know, in this, I know that you you have to obviously have partnerships set up with companies that can provide the packaging, and then, as you were saying, it sounds like you also have a partnership set up for washing and 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 refilling, like. Can you talk a little bit more about the nuts and bolts? I don't want you to give away no, any competitive oh, you know, secrets I mean, here. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's funny you yeah. say competitive secrets because we actually have been incredibly transparent about our process, yeah. mainly because, you know, being a nonprofit girl myself, we want more people to do this. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I, honestly, we started it to prove that it could work or to see if it could work. And then now I think, you know, prove that it, it can work and there is consumer appetite for less packaging in the world and, and for clean beauty products. And people are willing to pay a little bit more for that reuse service, as you termed it. Um, yeah. But certainly when we were getting started, nobody was doing it. So, you know, we had this idea and then obviously you figure out how to do it. And we at the time could not find anybody who was willing to wash bottles for us, which is 
you know, doesn't doesn't sound hard, but you know, again, it wasn't an existing service. So we just decided to do it ourselves. So our process, we get the bottles, we get them printed on, you know, again, to reduce waste, no unnecessary labels, get them filled. We distribute, they, with that return label, come back to us. And then we put them in an industrial dishwasher and wash them and sanitize them. So again, you know, (laughs) it's not rocket science. It's not a crazy high tech solution. It's just a little extra work. Um, And, you know, just the right reframing around it. We see the bottles as, you know, a part of our infrastructure. They have value to us. They're not waste. And so we reuse them. And, you know, I just want to take a second too to just appreciate the work that, that Upstream did around the safety of reuse as the, as the pandemic got started, because I know a lot of us saw, you know, some, some fear mongering around the importance of disposables (laughs) and and all of that. And so, you know, we were incredibly appreciative of the work that you were doing around, you know, and, and as we were explaining to our customers, like, we were already sanitizing this germs existed before COVID. Like, you know, yeah, we were right. already making sure that this was a safe option for you. This germ is no different than any other germs. And, you know, that is not a problem. Well, and, and COVID, I think this is the other thing too. I mean, beyond like the fact that, that, you know, I know a, a year and a half ago or almost two years ago now, it's so crazy that it's like the, the pandemic time warp, right? Yeah. But um, you know, we were all like hosing down our, our groceries and, you know, afraid to bring in the Amazon boxes, you know, right. uh, and, and disinfecting every little thing. And it's like, and, and then people were doing that while not wearing masks in grocery stores. Or, you know, And so it's like, you know, I, I mean, I think we were glad to, you know, have some great scientists that we were working with at that point that were able to really, you know, get the science-based messaging out there and, and to get people recognizing that, this is not the surface contact issue is not what you need to be concerned about. You need to be concerned about breathing indoors uh, with other people. And, and, and that was like, I mean, the first place that I heard it was on our, uh, on our live stream. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was one of those things where it, it gave me a lot more confidence in in what we were doing as a family. And I think now, you know, recognizing that the plastics industry uh, or elements of the plastics industry, I should say, it was really the plastic bag industry that was, essentially trying to, you know, prevent these uh, plastic bag bans from being implemented or to roll them back. And they, they saw this moment that they could finally kind of capture the public's attention with talking points that they've been using for over a decade at this point that weren't landing and and not even thinking about the collateral damage in that, yeah. right? Um, and so for all the reuse companies, I know, I uh, appreciate uh, what you said about that information being really useful for you. I think, you know, when we recognize that 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 viruses like COVID are so easily destroyed by a little bit of soap, that yes. Yes. And, and then you're putting it, you're putting your product through an industrial dishwasher. It's like no way is is COVID or anything else going to survive that. And um, I think Tom Zaki, who was on the, the that live stream from TerraCycle as well, said that you know at Loop they're protecting for things far more robust <laughs> than, right. than, than uh, right. yeah, than, than COVID. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious like how beauty care products, personal care products in reusable containers have been received. Like you guys were literally the, the groundbreak groundbreaking company and pioneers in this space. There are now several more. 
what do you see as the as the potential here in the sector and you know how much how much interest is there coming from maybe some of the more longer standing players that have been in this sector um you know for us it's a competitive industry i mean all industries are competitive but obviously personal care is a competitive industry there's a lot of big players you know all we had going for us was this packaging differentiation and it yeah. was really what I would say was the key to our success and growth. You know, we as a small scrappy company, you know, did five times as much as second year, double the next, double the next. And really it was just on the, I think, basis of providing a solution for, you know, people wanting to have less waste, less plastic in their lives. So I, I certainly feel like there is a consumer appetite for it. You know, I mean, the hardest thing is, which we appreciate you doing, letting people know that there's a problem. So they're looking for a solution. <laughs> um, you know, that's, Absolutely. that's our piece yeah. is just trying to help, you yeah. know, because as you said earlier, you need that mind shift flip. You know, a lot of people yep. have spent a lot of time convincing us that disposability and convenience are, you know, the most important things in the world and there's no consequences to them. So, yeah, or just put it in the blue bin yeah, and everything's good. Like totally it, it, the magic, the the magical recycling fairy right. takes care yes. of it and, and turns it into something beautiful. <laughs> and whenever we're doing our work out there in the world at Upstream, you know, we come across really three things. You know, one is that people think that just what I mentioned that I put my bottle in the blue cart and everything's fine. But I recycling think they've is been great. Convinced of that message. I mean, I think that there has For been sure. a, a super effort to tell people, Oh, don't worry about it. This is, this is fun. You know, so I don't blame people for that. No, exactly. I don't blame people for that either. I mean, it would spin, you know, just, just like the throwaway culture has been marketed uh, aggressively to folks for the last 50, 60 years. So has, you know, this message of, of, recycling is is how we how we solve that solve right. the throwaway culture solve the problem and then the other is well you know don't use single use plastic use single use something else <laughs> and 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 this whole idea that if it comes in a, a you know something that isn't single use plastic then that's great as well mm-hmm. recognizing that a lot of those materials end up in the garbage or end up wasted or if you look at the life cycle impacts they have some of them have greater environmental impacts upstream and so how has that worked for you guys? I mean, are you, when you're doing your marketing out there in the world, like how, how much are, are you coming at people with this message of, of having to explain that there's a single use problem out there and, and recycling your, uh, your shampoo bottle isn't going to solve it. <laughs> um, God, there's so much in there I want to talk about. Um, you know, first I, I will just say that, you know, originally, yeah, I came at this from less plastic in the world. And I've certainly moved to that, that piece of it's about reuse. It's, it's about moving away from disposability, whatever it is, um, yeah. you know, and really broadening my perspective on that. And then, you know, I will say we really see moving people towards reuse as a, as a community effort. Um, and which we are delighted to have as many businesses, as many nonprofits in, because we certainly as a small business, you know, cannot take on educating people about that on our own. <laughs> um, turns out people need to see a lot, read a lot, hear a lot, you know, before they yeah. can change that mindset because there's so much working against us. So in our marketing efforts, you know, all I can do is try and show up if people are looking for a solution. Um, you know, if people are looking for plastic free shampoo, reusable shampoo, you know, whatever, I just want to make sure that we're there. And, you know, we do really well in those cases. 
but increasing the number of people that are looking is a huge task. And so I really consider, you know, other reuse companies are partners in that. I mean, we don't, you know, as I mentioned, we're transparent about what we're doing. We don't consider them competition. You know, I consider all the single use people competition. So, um, you know, we're trying to move people to this side of the street, you know, and whether they buy our stuff or buy, you know, a shampoo bar or whatever, that's great. I'm, I'm okay yep. with that, but, you know, we're just trying to help broaden the conversation about what is going on in the world, how plastic is related to climate change, how we can't just keep creating waste willy nilly. And, you know, we're, we're just giving our grandchildren more problems to worry about. Well, you know, I think what's great about having reuse companies like yours out there in the world is that you guys are also spending your marketing budgets on educating and engaging people around these problems, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that that really helps because a lot of nonprofits, as you know, don't have the, the the marketing budgets to. They're not doing direct to consumer social media work. They're not doing paid search. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is actually something that we've been talking a lot about at Upstream is do we do we need to start doing a whole lot more enga- consumer engagement around these issues? You know, how can nonprofits like Upstream support reuse companies like yours in, in engaging the public and, and having more success? Well, certainly, I mean, you know, I would love for your budget to be bigger. And, and you know, we are supporters of Upstream <laughs> um, because I, I do think that it is hard to cut through the noise, but I do think it's important yeah. that, that independent nonprofits are putting that message out there without, you know, monetary gain. Um, so, I, I mean, I applaud the work that you're doing and I would just like to see <laughs> more of it um, yeah. because I yeah. think, you know, we're competing with some very large brands who are working very hard to convince people that recycling is a solution, that plastic's not a problem, you know, and, and I'm sure you and I have both read, they're planning on doubling down on plastic production, you know, know. so know. it's yeah. not, you know, we yeah. are facing, you know, it's a definitely a, a little bit of a David and Goliath battle as far as us trying to communicate this reuse message that, you know, means large companies losing some profit share when they can't sell their plastic bottles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, thinking about the winners and losers in this in this new reuse economy, because I, I do think that as as this message gets out more and more that recycling is not the answer to plastic pollution and that other single use <laughs> materials are not the answer to plastic pollution and that, you know, plastic pollution is really just it's it's a gateway into the, the core problem, which is overconsumption of the planet's yeah. natural resources, yeah. you know, for us, like that is, that is the, that's the driver for upstream. We always use kind of plastic pollution as the gateway to get people thinking about overconsumption. And, you know, when you look at the population projections and, and where the growth is going to be, and also like where the growth is going to be in, in, in the global economy, you know, we can't just continue to export this one-way throwaway single-use no, model, no. you know, to the rest of the world and, and double down on it. Like it doesn't matter what material you're using; there's just not enough planet to go around. For and, it. and it turns out that the countries are are actually not wanting us to do that anymore, which I think is is what helps start to wake people up to it. I mean, I think when China was like, "Turns out Absolutely. we don't want your plastic waste," everybody was like, "Oh wait, <laughs> what do you mean it's coming back? Like I thought it just disappeared over there, and we never had to worry about it again." 
Yeah, then then you've got, you know, kind of free market think tanks that are out there saying, well, recycling costs too much now because China won't take it. So let's just stop recycling altogether. <laughs> and and then you think of you think about, you know, these supply chains where it's just like, you know, all of this unnecessary, you know, just stuff. Yeah. I mean, oranges yeah. don't need to be on a styrofoam tray covered in plastic. I mean, it turns out that oh, they, they come in packaging. It's called a peel. That's right. That's so, right. Yeah. That's I right. mean, I think, That's you know, right. yeah. unfortunately, too, I mean, part of, again, what we've been sold is like, everything should be packaged, everything should be protected, you know, and it's just nobody questioned it. So, you know, I love what you said about you just changing that whole mindset. And I do think, you know, when, when people do see it, they can't unsee it. And so then, That's right. That's right. you know, the more people that say, you know, why is my banana on a, you know, styrofoam tray covered in, in cling wrap, um, that seems unnecessary, the better for everybody. And, yeah, you know, yeah. unfortunately, you don't have a lot of businesses that look at it that way. I mean, they're like, the more stuff we can sell, the better. But I'm hoping, you know, extended producer responsibility, which I know you guys have have talked about and done some work on, you know, will help level the playing field a little bit so that reuse companies using reuse, you know, can compete more. Because right now, obviously, yeah. if somebody puts chemicals in a plastic bottle and sells it and they don't have any responsibility for that packaging down the line, that is a much cheaper, more profitable option. Whereas if they are required yeah. to do something for it, suddenly that cost goes up. Whereas, you know, I have to pay to get the bottles back and wash and reuse them. So that costs more money. So we're just hoping that, you know, good people can continue to move those things down the line so that the playing field can be leveled. And the, and also if we got rid of fossil fuel subsidies, I mean, that would be great too. So that plastic costs what it costs. Um, but we're hoping that things will catch up and then all of a sudden people will be like, oh, well, now the playing level playing field, this makes even more sense. So, you know, just thinking about your, your own business and, and the products that you are, are selling now, and then also thinking about, you know, what, what, are, what are some of the things that are changing and where might you guys be going? What, what are, there, are there additional products that you're looking at getting into? Why, why don't we start with what are the types of products you guys are currently selling right now? So we, we started off with three. We started off with shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. Um, we've added a facial line, we added hand sanitizers, some lotion, hair repair, beauty oil. So we're trying to pick products that, um, you know, have a multitude of uses that are workhorse products, you know, that you need every day. We've really tried to stay away from, you know, creating eight different variations on every single product. So you can buy one for each day of the week, just because, you know, to your point earlier, consumerism, we don't want to promote the very thing that we're trying to work against. So, you know, we say to people, oh, if you have oilier hair, leave the shampoo in longer. Don't buy a different shampoo. Just leave this one in longer and leave the conditioner in for a shorter amount of time. You have control over how you use these products and how they can affect your hair, for instance. So, you know, mm -hmm. again, consumer education, trying to work with people. Um, the fun development that we've seen in the last um, well, we thought it was actually going to start in 2020. Um, I, I think COVID delayed it a little bit, but we're seeing more and more reuse shops pop up around the country where people are offering an option for you to bring your own containers in and fill them up. So we've added three and a half gallon buckets to our line of wholesale products and we're shipping them all over the U.S. I mean, these things are wow. popping up everywhere and it is so exciting to see, you know, 
we wanted to your door a convenient solution, which works for me because I can't imagine getting an empty bottle out of my shower to a refill shop and back in my shower in the same day. But it turns out there are other people who have that superpower and can get that done. And it is exciting, you know, that this solution is, is popping up all over the country organically to offer that to those people. That is so cool. I didn't know you guys were also doing brick and mortar retail as well. That's great. Yeah. yeah. It, and, and, it, yeah. It's so heartening to see people, you know, again, solving this problem in, in their local communities and that there's enough of a demand for it and people are really trying to just consume differently. So it gives me, gives me hope. Can you talk a little bit about your your customers too? Because I know obviously you guys know the types of people that are buying your products. You know, it, it is, it's interesting. We've just been looking at this a little bit more. Um, the 25 to 35, so I think that's kind of that, you know, millennial generation is our largest group. I think, you know, they shop online the most. Um, but certainly we are, I'm, I'm surprised that the 18 to 25, that Gen Z is, is right there behind them. And I think they are incredibly well-educated. I think they're motivated. I think they are maybe even more motivated to seek out brands that align with their values than any other generation. Mm -hmm. They're willing to spend the time mm -hmm. to look around on the, on the older side of the spectrum, less customers, but more focus. So, you know, they higher conversion rate, they come, they're looking for something, they buy it and they're done. So, you know, it's less of a volume, but but there are people that are specifically looking for that solution. They're not kind of wandering around the internet just to see what's there, and we maybe happen to catch their eye. They, you know, they go on, Got they're it. searching, they're buying, and they're they're done. So, different people interacting in different ways, for sure. Um, but yeah, it is it is exciting to me to see that you know we we have a sweet lady who like writes us a note and is like I'm ready for my shampoo and just sends us a check. <laughs> I don't even know how she found out about us. But refuses to shop online, and so we just so we just great. do that for her. Um, That's so great. So yeah. So what what about the future? Just curious to hear more about you know your thoughts about the future of the company. I, I think tabletizing is an amazing way to do cleaning products. You know, I think yep. people's tolerance for what they'll pay for cleaning products is much lower, which makes sense. Um, you know, it makes right. sense to get a tablet and add water to it to to spray on the the window and, and that, and it works, you know, our products are, are aloe based. There's a lot of really good stuff and then adding water just doesn't work. Um, right. For us. Right. So, yeah. you know, there may be at some point somebody figures that out in a different way, but, um, we are, we're, we're sticking with what, with what we know right now, we do have some more kind of, you know, work her course, personal care, a hair and body wash and a more male friendly scent is, is on track, a hair gel, oh, a deep cool. conditioner. Cool. So, you know, we're just trying to, again, respond to consumer demands. What are people looking for? What, you know, we often are asking people, what can you not find? You know, where are their holes? We don't want to duplicate what other people are doing, but we want to try and fill needs that people are looking for. And then I think, you know, the other piece of it is really starting to talk exactly what you and I are talking about. You know, how do we support other brands in doing it? How do we help grow this reuse infrastructure? How do we, you know, ship all over the country less <laughs> and and help create local solutions? So um, I'm actually having a great time having conversations with other reuse companies right now and, and other brands about about those exact issues and how we can start working together. 
Yeah. So what's happening in the industry and what are you seeing as far as new companies coming on board and, and even interest from bigger companies? You know, I, I feel like the bigger companies are starting to test it out. Um, we're working with Loop. Other people are working with Loop. You know, with you mentioned Tom Zaki, I, that has been a great pilot for, I think, a lot of car- large companies just to see what the consumer demand is. We, sub- we see some sort of like sub brands of large companies trying out aluminum packaging. Um, you know, Colgate's got a mouthwash and aluminum bottle in Target right now. Um, so mm-hmm. certainly, I think people are starting to pay attention. Um, we don't see as many people, you know, taking them back and looking at that circular. But again, I think the infrastructure has to be there. And so those are the conversations that we're having of, of how do we support because especially a small brand, you can only do so much, right, um, right. you know, and <laughs> I went to my first packaging conference in 2019 and man, those, those companies, they're like, you know, tanker ships, like you got to start turning the ship like two years before you actually expect something to right. happen. And I, right, you know, coming right. from the nonprofit world, coming from a small company, like we decide something and then we just do it. And they're like, well, we figure like 18 months is a good time frame for making a packaging change. And they're talking about like a color or a zipper or something. So I know I right? was like, yeah, Oh, yeah. this is a whole different situation. You know, I mean, you know, I had some more sympathy for what they're facing. Uh, you know, factories yep. all set up to do one thing. And then all of a sudden saying, we're not going to do that anymore. So, you know, I am heartened by them testing the waters. I feel like that is a signal that they're listening, that they're looking at it, that they're considering it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that I really think that's the way one way or the other, we're going to have to move and whether it's, you know, by, I don't, I don't know what's going to come first. If it's going to be, you know, ending the fossil fuel subsidies, the price of plastic goes up all of a sudden other things look better. If it's the extended producer responsibility coming up in more States and and that starts to, to change it, or if we just run out of places to send our waste, I'm not sure, you know, what's going to push it, but I I feel very confident that, you know, at some point in the future, it's going to be the way you do business. Well, thinking about, you know, how, how we get there. I mean, what, what do businesses like yours need to scale? Um, You know, I think it is that infrastructure piece that we're talking about and that investment of, you know, there needs to be an option for brands that, you know, if they're looking at reuse, they're like, okay, well, we buy our packaging from here. We, we work with this person to wash them and and we can remain focused on what we want to remain focused, which is, you know, the products and the marketing and and the identity. Um, So we just need to create that other side the same way that, you know, packaging supply is created is the, the reuse side. And I think, you know, Thanks to the work that you're doing and others are doing, those conversations are starting to happen. Yeah, the infrastructure piece is so critically important. You know, I always go back to the the being a kid and the just being one bin and that was the garbage <laughs> bin. And, and then, you know, how the how how we've built this recycling infrastructure and now we're building this composting infrastructure. And, you know, again, just finding out how we both build new reuse infrastructure, like you're saying, but also utilize what we've already built to get reuse um, into these systems. And, you know, I was really struck by uh, my conversation with Crystal mm-hmm. Dreisbach, who was our a- activist of the year winner at the Reusies, talking about the project that that she started up with the local recycling facility to start taking reusables. And just like, you know, what recycling facilities do when a new package comes on the line, they find a way to sort it off and, and, and get value from it. And, 
So her her vision was not only building new reuse infrastructure, but also like utilizing that existing recycling infrastructure and getting those containers off the line and then sent to the local washing and, and refilling hub. And I just think, you know, it's all, we need all kinds of innovation yeah. happening, yeah. you know, with different different ideas and different players. And, you know, we're going to we're going to start building this thing over the next 10, 15 years. So, Definitely. I mean, anyway. I was thrilled to yeah. hear more about Crystal through the reusies. And she and I had a conversation afterwards. And I was, yeah, completely oh, inspired by the work that I'm actually going to like drive up to Durham and check it out. Um, we had oh, a date. So yeah, great. no, we have a date for me to come see. And, and I agree with you. I mean, I think that you know, every community has a lot of communities have people that are working on this. Um, so yeah. how, how yeah. can we support them? How can we help them talk to each other, which is another great service that you're providing? Um, you know, how do we let everybody know what's going on and generate those ideas and those conversations? Um, because a lot of it is happening and it's just a matter yep, of, of connecting those dots and saying, you know, she and I were chatting about it. I was like, Oh, well, Maybe if you washed our bottles, we could wash your containers in Cincinnati. And, you know, how do we, how do we start making those things work? I love so, it. I love yeah. it. That's so great. That's so great. Well, what can our, what can our listeners do to help accelerate this, this revolution that you're, that you're talking about? And, and, and also, where can our listeners learn more about Plain Products and, and you and what you're up to? Well, uh, we're easy. So Plain with an E, um, Plain Products. A website on happily on all the social channels. We're just at Plain Products, so very easy to find us. You know, we always appreciate suggestions, ideas, people joining in on the conversation. And then, you know, we sort of promote this progress, not perfection. So we just encourage people to take a step. You don't need to switch everything in your life tomorrow. Just, you know, take one reuse action whether that is the reusable water bottle, the reusable bag, picking a reusable product, you know, giving a little bit more time the next time you're in the grocery store to, you know, how can I get some better packaging or how can I buy some cashews in a, in a jar instead of picking the plastic off the shelf? Um, you know, just, just the gateway, pick your gateway and give it a try um, is, is really what we work towards. And it, it doesn't have to be hard. There are a lot of convenient solutions out there. I love it. Pick your gateway. I'm going to remember that one. I love that. That's so, so great. Well, Lindsay, it's been such a pleasure talking with you and I'm so excited about what your company is doing and excited to help grow and support this reuse movement with you. Thanks again for all the work you're doing. Matt, this has been an absolute pleasure. And again, thank you for all the work that you guys are doing at Upstream. We absolutely love it. And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review, talk us up. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream, sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.